0: You are now tuning in to Love One and a Good Time, a podcast that encourages you to be the best version of yourself and to live your best life. Here we talk about so many different things such as self-confidence, self-love, careers, there's women empowerment, there's just motivation and positive vibes every single episode so if you enjoy the show and the conversations please go ahead and leave a review on apple Podcasts. that's absolutely the best way to support and it helps with visibility so more people can learn about it and can tune in and can join in on this motivational positive vibes community and if you don't follow us already on instagram and now tiktok Follow us at on Love One and a Good Time podcast so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes or catch up on old episodes and just overall fun. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Love, Wine, and a Good Time. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode, but I am excited to get into this week's episode. And you know me, I love learning about people's careers, their journey to what what led them to where they are now, which is why I have the segment, the the moving up in life career talk. And the last person I had on there was um, on here was my friend Brenda, who was a registered nurse. So she went into her medical nursing career. But I am excited to have my next guest who I have with me today. So we met at Cal State Long Beach back in our college days. And it's funny enough, fun fact, like Me and my husband both met him. Both met him separately, Um, so it's a small, small world. I met him in my K Beach radio days, and they met in their history class. But I love to welcome Jay to Love Wine and a Good Time. Welcome, Jay.
1: Oh, thank you, Fergie. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for your time. I just, you know, sometimes I just look back at at the simpler times with K Beach in college. Man. That's a long
1: time ago. That's when gas was still cheap.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, great, simple times. And we didn't even yeah. know it. Right. But um, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and listeners who uh, don't know you as much as me and like Lewis, too.
1: Sure. Uh, where do I begin? Um <laughs> soon to be a a husband next june lord willing um i'm a minister as well on sundays so i'm a man with a lot of hats with some sleep in between but i'm I'm blessed in between all of that i'm just letting dream right now
0: awesome we love it we love it and i know you you do a lot of different things so which one is are they all work
1: Yeah, they're all work, so I guess I'll start one by one if if you have time (laughs) for that. Yes, of course. So I am a, in the corporate world, I'm a traffic Mm -hmm. manager in the advertising field that deals with uh, TV commercials, uh, that's over at uh, Dentsu in West Alaska, Dentsu, Um, they're great, great people, great environment, I've been there almost, it'll be a year in December.
0: Oh, nice. um, so I, my
1: traffic manager there, uh, so that is my stable nine-to-five, gotcha. I want to call it that. <laughs> um, on the side, I am a broadcaster on the radio for St. John Bosco football over in Bellflower, where I went to school at uh, many years ago. Uh, now I came back <laughs> and you know went about my old school. So I've mm-hmm. been there about five years. And fun fact, when we worked together at K-Beach, I was doing, you know, a little bit of Long Beach Bulls and stuff down the street from the, from the school. That's about my practice. And then I went, I kind of got promoted to do, go back to the now number one cool. school country uh, in Bosco. So I'm there for the past mm-hmm. five years. Along with that, um, coming up in the fall, I'll be in they call it Big Sky Country, Fergie, over in Wyoming, uh, doing oh. women's basketball uh, for the Mountain West Network. I uh, oh. started there last year, and that was a fun experience. I'll be back again this year, low willing. In a few months, I'll be in the uh, Mountain West and the big sky and snow and sleet and all that type of cold weather.
0: All right. down the road. Um,
1: been a minister the Church of Christ over in Bellflower. My entire life, since I was about 15 years old, um, I'm the senior minister at the Bellflower Congregation for the last 2019, last three years. Okay. Um, so I've been doing that since I've been like 14. That's been really?
0: Kind of my, little,
1: my boyhood dream, uh, from a spiritual presence. So I've always enjoyed that. I've always loved, you know, Talking with people and being around people and you know trying to encourage them too. So I hope I, I've done that, you know, in mm-hmm. my short life so far. So that's been my goal. But that's all of my jobs that I have for now. This online, but that's here or there. But that's Lord Willie soon.
0: Yeah. Definitely a lot of different jobs, a lot of different hats. And mm-hmm. so I guess anything I ask, you'll just ask, answer for each job, right? All right, all right you got <laughs> So how did you end up working in every field and all of them at the same time?
1: Huh. That's a great question. So I'll go with the first one. So the advertising, this is going back to college. So okay, I... In college, I was a history major
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I love history. I love it to this day. I'm a nerd. I read books about people, I, you name it. If it's mm-hmm. written, I probably read it. Uh, and so, I in college, I was like, yeah, I'm not really trying to do law. I mean, I took the LSAT. That was fun. Um, I'll leave that there. Um, shout out to my law friends. Um, and so, I didn't want to do that necessarily. And then my freshman year, my first semester, I was walking down near the engineering building way in the back, not too far from the rec so You know what that is. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, at Long Beach, State, they have a, a big gym way in the back of the school. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through the engineering field department and I saw this, like, you know, little eight by 11 sheet of paper flyer about broadcasting sports. And I was like, okay, I'm a high school athlete, or I thought I was. I know. Basically, every sport, because I watch every sport, you know, basketball, football, baseball, volleyball, soccer, whatever. I'm watching it because it's entertaining to me. And I said, well, if I have free time outside of class, I might, you know, take a flyer on and see what it's all about. And so I did. And I never left. And that was 2012. And wow, ever since. And So that led to me being involved with k beach now known as 22s radio right where my way up as you know the first sports director guy then general manager for a couple of years and that that experience is what led me into advertising so when you're the general manager you kind of do all everything make sure the radio's running and spots running right and logs and all of those, you know, big boy responsibilities. Yeah. Talk about. And so, with that experience, um, one summer I was doing some summer league stuff uh, for a college baseball team. And I met a parent, and the parent was on the team that I was broadcasting for. And he had a radio show in, in Culver City named Rob Busca. And he had a nice conversation after one game. And he said, what are you doing on weekends after this baseball thing's over? Mm. I was like, nothing. And he said, uh, well, come down with me to, to this address. And I said, okay. So I went and I helped produce his radio show on NBC Sports Radio. And wow. the opportunity led to helping out Westwood One, uh, cutting highlights and helping out you know producing stuff like that and also doing what is called traffic and so traffic in radio and, and television is just handling commercials making sure commercials play when it's supposed to play
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that's how I got into the advertising field and so I went to a couple huh. of small firms uh post uh graduation in 2016 and 2019 18 19 and in 2021, I got a call, you know, while I down at home one day and said, do you, do you want to work here? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and we talked a little, maybe a five, a 15 minute conversation. And then the day later I had an interview and the next day they were like, well, come on down. So that's how I got to into advertising.
0: All right.
1: Now, broadcasting on the rate is a little bit more different, difficult. Because as you may know, as a, a college grad yourself, there are no jobs when you graduate. Yeah. And I had to literally find and scrap and crawl for a job in my yeah. field. And there are none. And the ones they have pay peanuts and water mm-hmm. bottles as <laughs> compensation. Yeah. So I was like, this ain't gonna work. And I want an opportunity that I can control what I'm doing, essentially. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as a result, I bought equipment like a mixer and a couple of headsets and, you know, a a computer. And I started broadcasting high school games down the street. I wasn't burning a lot of gas, but I was investing in myself, essentially, at Mm -hmm. the time. And I would do... The games nearby I was doing junior college you know at uh there was a company called SoCal College Sports doing you know games in Ventura and San Diego and just all over the place and just trying mm-hmm. to you know work on my craft something that I love and do and right. so with all those various places and experiences and working for Long Beach State as the professional broadcaster for several years and going and doing games at like Cal Poly and for Nevada, and you know, just, you know, putting your name out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's led to, you know, being one of the top tier programs in high school in the country. Um, yeah. That's, you know, one of the more prominent, you know, broadcast networks that we've had online. Um, that led me to that. Now, preaching as a professional is also similar. It's a lot of work. Sadly, not much pay. Um, but for me, the pay at this time is sort of irrelevant. It's more I enjoy being with people. But when I was fourteen, well, let me back up. Let me back a little bit. So when I was a I was a kid, like most kids, church was kind of like I enjoyed church. I didn't enjoy sermon. They were too long. I wanted to go home. I'm like it's time to go. My parents said stay. so I'm like, yeah,
0: yeah. So.
1: Fast forward, 12 years old, I went to a men's seminar and I met a young man His name was Brandon Holt and he had a sermon about something that caught my attention, caught my interest. I was like, this really resonates with me in my life and I want to do that for somebody who I don't know. And I was like 12. Oh, wow. And, And so with that experience i talked to my father and talked to you know my i guess you'll say my second or third grandfather who was at the time my minister uh, named oj dyson and he said if you want to do this this is a commitment and i was like yeah sign me up and I, I didn't know what that meant but i was like yeah i'll do it and so after practicing and reading and studying and that's the that was the first time as a young amateur that I took a subject outside of history seriously. You know, I was a decent student, but I was, let's just call it lazy. And so going in, into preaching and and that kind of really sparked my eye and like, I really want to do this. And so I I start at 14 slash 15. I was 14, I was 14. My first time, it was five minutes. It was quick. It was in there. I was gone. And so I always wanted to get better. And so from that day on, I started listening to other people on, you know, I still had cassette tapes. That shows my age. Um, and I listened on cassettes, you know, whenever I could. And that kind of helped me mold who I am as a, as a minister. And so you fast forward to a couple of years later, while I still in college. Um, I was going to a church by my house because I was, I was coming back from a trip and I couldn't go to my home church. I was 45 minutes away from where I was at. And so I went to a church nearby and I thankfully I had a suit on, I had church clothes. So I had, um, I came back on the plane. And so I went there and I met, you know, one of the church leaders there. And he said, Hey, do you preach? I was like, uh, yeah. Why? This is awkward. And so he said, you sound like you preach. And if you've seen me in person, I kind of have the, the preacher build, you know, put your chest up high at the Bible all that. Anyway, I'll leave that there. But, <laughs> and so I said, yeah, sure. I do preach. I enjoy it. And, uh, he said, can you preach here on this day? It was like someday in April. And I was like, yeah, available. And, uh, I preached there one Sunday. They enjoyed it. Thank mm-hmm. the Lord for that. And I kept going another Sunday. And that began another Sunday and another Sunday. And then it was once a month. And it was twice a month for a couple of years. Then you fast forward 2018, 2019. They said, can you preach more? And I said, yeah. And I preached more and more. I was available and then COVID came. And then I said, well, I'm here every week. Let me just keep it going. And, you know, especially during, during COVID, which was where I was at home, down, I wasn't mm-hmm. traveling anywhere. So I could put my premier focus on helping this congregation that i had grown in love with. And, uh, that led to me, you know, fully being that, uh, senior minister role uh, through that time and I've been there ever since uh, so that's what led to that that preaching uh, professional uh, position and I also I'll say this and, that, and this will kind of wrap it together all of the jobs that I have in broadcasting and preaching they have they have helped each other because with mm-hmm. broadcasting there are certain games that are just boring the blowouts you don't want to keep saying, oh, Rosales scored again. (laughs) It's 75 to three. Or Guerrero, she's another three-pointer and misses it. Oh, this game is terrible. (laughs) So with preaching and with broadcast training, you understand how to fill time. Or Mm, if you don't always remember what you write down on paper, if you lose it, you can go off muscle memory of what you studied before, the night before, and that's helped me in both fields. So having those sets of skills have helped me in both of those, you know, positions that I've had. And I'm thankful that I enjoy both equally. Right. Uh, I can't pick, I cannot choose either one. I, I would, I, even I can't, just can't do it. And so I'm thankful that I have that experience by doing both thankfully, they have helped me improve in those fields just as much because I need them to be a better person who I can be in those jobs.
0: Beautifully tied, and it sounds like an amazing journey. These, I mean, I did it since you were fourteen. That's that's crazy and I did want to ask a I a couple of questions and so I know you you really love sports broadcasting so one of my questions was like what is it about it that just kind of like brings you in like attracts you to the sports broadcasting
1: a couple of things and that's a great question that you asked because as a kid all of us want to dream to be Michael Jordan or Mia Ham or the star player Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, or you know, whoever your favorite athlete was.
0: Mm-hmm. And for
1: me, I wanted to be Shaq. Love Shaq. Thought he was yeah. great. You know, he had a little, you know, weird jaws like, after a big dunk. He would look at his hand like this. So, you know, I thought I thought he was funny. I thought he was you know, a, a goofy kid in a in a grown man's stature. I thought I could do that. But I'm not 7'1", 300 pounds thing and jump out of the gym. That's not me. Mm-hmm. So I so sports broadcasting gives me that excitement that people enjoy when they're watching their favorite team win or when they lose. Like, oh, they have to act in defeat. I can have that same feeling describing a game, whether you're there or not.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I have a partial opinion about it. And so for me, sports broadcasting gives me that excitement that I once had while playing but not playing anymore
0: got it yeah no that that makes a lot of sense it's I mean I, I don't watch a lot of sports I mean sure. as far yeah as far as I could watch is like UFC but I I understand the excitement when you are rooting for a team or someone and right. you're there live play by play so that's that's a very great visual the way you described it and then my other question regarding the ministry I mean like what are some of the like biggest lessons that you've taken from working as minister since you were fourteen? I'm sure there's plenty.
1: There are several. Number one, ministry is hard, <laughs> and it's not not in a negative way. It's just to be transparent. It's not ministry. It's just mm-hmm. more than getting a sermon together. It's it's a lot. It's it's so much more than having the right words to say or. I want to I hope this will bless your life. That's it's so much more than that, because if you're doing it for that, you're not you're doing it for the wrong thing. If you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong thing. So that's one thing I would I would harp on that about ministry. Number one, it's hard. Number two, it's a labor of love. Because when it's not preaching is, is so much more than just preaching on in a pulpit on Sundays. I mean, you're you counseling, you're encouraging, you're talking to people who have, who are sick, who are struggling with finances, who are struggling with their families, with their spouses, with their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their third cousin in Tucson that they haven't talked to in five years, but they wanna make it right, you know, all of those things. And so having that experience at 14 the transition for me was number one, know how to preach well. And so once you ma- once I mastered that, I think I mastered that, I hope I did. Um, number two is how can I connect with people, not just having a good sermon? Because sometimes a good sermon to you is not good to yourself or to anybody that may be listening because they cannot understand or, or relate to what you're coming from. And sometimes when people preach. They pre- they're preaching about a certain topic. But once you connect and know your audience and who you're speaking to, that's when messages get across because you're not thinking about what gets the amen. Sometimes the best message, people will not say a word. And you have to be okay with that because that means that they're thinking. If they're thinking, I will take over a house of people shouting and going, you know, for joy about what I said, I want my entire goal is that did you learn something from what I said? Because it's not about me, it's about giving praise to, to him. But I, it is my goal that people will take something away that they will use, not just today, but maybe down the road when they're going through a tough time. You know, For example, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, about people who are dealing with stress, and I use a acronym of stopping, and I kind of explain of how to stop. And I went to S, T, O, and P. And at the time, people were like, Man, "Why is he doing this acronym? I don't need an acronym. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not in third grade." But maybe a month later, people say, "You know what? I was going. I was stressed at at, at work or with my family." And I had the notes about how to stop, and I used it, and it helped me. You know, so that's what, what ministry is about. It's about can I make an effect on a, a person that will need it, not just today, but in the future? Or maybe it can help somebody else deal with what they're going through and using the Lord to help them uh, in their lives, whether it's a good thing or even a bad thing, or even just to encourage folks to keep going what they're doing in their their spiritual path.
0: That's very, it's very powerful. And it's it's those smaller things, right? And it is true. I feel like when you are left speechless, that's when you are thinking the most. And it's just like those little messages that don't, you know, seem so small. They come at you the moment you need them, whether you're like in the middle of a crisis or you're stressing out, like they stick to you for sure you know, and they're like, okay, now it makes sense. So that, that sounds really great. And I, I did want to ask just like, you know, with the ministry and then with broadcasting and just everything in general, we all know life is hard, right? Like post-college, just a of reality of teen. And so like, what keeps you going?
1: Um, my faith, number one, that it helps me on my worst days is understanding that someone, well, it's not someone, Christ <laughs> sacrificed for me, you know, because he could have said, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not getting myself humiliated, beaten down for, you know, for some peasant from Bellflower I'm not doing that. He could have said no, but he didn't. And I thank God for that. Um, number two, my family. I'm I, I pray I'm, I'm a family person I try to present that to people who I around with hope I can do to you as well um but my family has done so much for me that I I am thankful for them they have been my biggest supporters they have helped me through thick and thin they have helped me you know during my career they've supported me in everything with college with broadcasting with preaching and, and, and encouraged me to, to to do what I love to do and not hold me back from that. And so I do it to make them proud and show that I care about what I'm doing because you can tell somebody, "Oh, I want to do this, but if you put no effort into it, is it worth it?" You know, and I don't want to waste, you know, my parents' time and, or my family's time by saying, "Well, I want to do this, but he kind of just stopped halfway." You know, I don't want to I want to put 100 percent of what the things I love in and say I I did the best I could, whether I succeeded or whether I failed. So those are my two motivations.
0: Family, I know for sure that's what keeps it just keeps you going because you don't you don't want to you don't want to be a quitter. You don't want to give up. You you want to set an example, but then you also want to keep moving because that is a part of life as well. And I, I want to ask, or what advice would you have for those, uh, those folks who are wanting to get into the sports broadcast field?
1: Well, I would encourage those, whether they're black, white, brown, whatever, if you want to do this, m- make sure that you're doing it because you really want to do it. Because broadcasting will humble you. You're not going to get the flashy job out of college. You're not. You're going to have to either do a high school gig in the middle of, you know, Topeka, Kansas. You know, if you really want to do it, you would go there, or you make a way, you know, on the independent route, or you'll find somewhere to start. I chose do independent route because I figured I could make a decent living by having a couple of other jobs while doing what I love. And that's not for everybody. You know, some folks want to just be a part of that. And I respect that. But I will say, if you're going to be a broadcaster, make sure you really want to do it because it is really hard to find opportunities and network. Networking is the biggest thing that you hear professionals, celebrities say, how I got out here was by networking. So networking really helps you Find jobs because when you're when you're nice to people and they see it, you're working hard. They will help you to elevate to different positions you never would get to by yourself.
0: Yep, network is the key. Networking is the way. I realized I had that um, that moment of realization post college because I love radio. Like I love talking and you know being behind a mic. But afterwards, my God, it's you really have to love it and really have to go for it. And it does pay peanuts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just really like stop to consider everything. And what about just people who are don't know what to do, who are on the verge, let's say, of college graduating or unhappy in their current situation and want to make a career change? What advice would you give them? Mm.
1: For those who are unsure. Hmm. I would say try a field or something that you're good at. So if you're good with math, I'm not saying be a mathematician, but try like you know maybe find a field or, or or an office job that that helps you you know keep your mind right. Like maybe a data clerk or an assistant or something that you can relate that you know what you that you can do well um, because you don't want to just say let me just take a guess because taking a guess or a stab, you might be disappointed with that wild new field you're going into. Um, so I would try to find something that you that you like or as similar to what you like in a similar field and try to work maybe your way up in that field. You may fall somewhere that you may like maybe into a, a, a role maybe a professor or something like that down the road but find a commonality with your personal interests within your academia field or just in your personal, like drawing stuff, I would encourage maybe drawing or being an architect or something like that that will make sure that your mind is always moving because once you're always thinking, you're you're always trying to grow, and that's the biggest thing I would encourage someone if they are stuck or not sure what they want to do.
0: I'm sure that's just what the words that they needed to hear, but... Those are all the questions that I have. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, I'll add one thing. If you okay. asked me about who, what, what motivates me. And I would say the people coming behind me that look like me, that are saying, oh, I can't do it. And I want it, and I pray, if the Lord has it, that if I make it big or if I don't, that I can encourage just one person to say, hey, you can do this. Doesn't matter if you're black or you go to, you know, a certain school. It it matters if you work hard and if you pray a lot, things will happen in your direction. Um, that's my that's also my motivating factor because it's not just about me. I don't want the credit for it. I don't want the fans, for, oh look at Jay, he's doing great. I don't believe really, it's not for But I I I do want to motivate the next generation of Jays that will come behind me who I will never meet. or may not meet, never even know, but they can say, oh, I saw him do it, I can do it too. Because I saw, you know, people like Bill White, Dave Sims do it, and if they can do it, so can I. So I wanted to do it for those young African-American kids or Latino, you know, white kids who I would never even meet. I want to do it for them. That's what keeps me going as well.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. No, I'm I'm inspired, Jay. Honestly, and I want to go and I want to chase all my dreams and continue on because I had my doubts too. Even with sure. the show, like it took me a while to to get this started after I ended over at KB and now 22s. So it's it's a lot of faith for sure, and just motivating yourself to push yourself to keep going because it's hard, but you'll you'll get there. Yeah, you know, we're still on that journey.
1: Yeah, we're still. I'm. I'm still working towards the goal, but Mm -hmm. I think having that understanding and not letting that dream or that fire, you know, burn low, that's what keeps me going. Is that I'm still in the journey and I'm still progressing, and that slow progress is still progress.
0: Of course, I love that slow progress is still progress.
1: Still progress. You're just moving slowly, but you're still progressing. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, the time goes by anyways. So might as well make good use of it. But thank you so much, Jay, for taking the time to come on the show for giving us these lovely words of wisdom. Really appreciate you.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure for you. Always good to see you. Send my best to to Louise, please.
0: I will. I will. Thank you.